Welcome to the You Love and You Learn podcast, the place to learn about all things love, relationships, relationship anxiety, and to deconstruct the one-size-fits-all narrative of what it means to be in a happy relationship. I'm your host, Sarah Yudkin, a relationship anxiety coach who's on a mission to discuss the nuances of love and relationships that I wish someone would have shared with me years ago. My goal with each episode is for you to leave with an expanded definition of love and relationships and with practices to carry with you in your life and relationships on a day-to-day basis. I'm so grateful to have you here. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode. Grateful, as always, for you being here today. And in this week's episode, I got to sit down with a married couple who each experienced their own versions of relationship anxiety. So I'm really excited to talk about this topic with them today. So Joy is a licensed marriage and family therapist and relationship coach, and her husband, Matthew, is a relationship coach. They've been married for four and a half years after experiencing major relationship anxiety while dating each other and before being together. And both of them help individuals and couples who are experiencing relationship anxiety make the decision of staying or leaving a relationship. Now, in this conversation, we address a common question in the relationship anxiety space, and that is the question of, is God or the universe giving me signs about my relationship? I really enjoyed this episode a lot because it helped open up my perspective. I am someone who did not grow up with religion in their life and really only recently has been kind of introduced to the idea of spirituality. And so some of the ideas shared in this episode were not ones that I was too familiar with, but a lot of the principles are fundamental to life and they're not necessarily religious or spiritual. Principles like free will, personal responsibility, trusting yourself, making decisions from a grounded place, and more. So I'm really excited for you to hear this one, and let's go ahead and dive in. Hey, Joy and Matthew, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. Of course, we're excited to be here. Yeah, it's first for me to be with her on another (laughs) podcast, so... That's interesting. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. Well, I came across one of Joy's reels and I loved how, you know, both of you are kind of involved in the content on her page and talking about relationship anxiety. Obviously that's near and dear to my heart and my experience and what I share. And I think it's always awesome to hear different people's experiences with it and their different perspectives. So thanks for, yeah, just both being willing to show up. So it may be interesting to start off and hear each of you kind of share how you experienced relationship anxiety and kind of give people a sense of what your story was and why this is important for you. Hmm. I feel like it might be helpful for you to go first. You hope. Yeah, well, <laughs> to go to tie into the story. I think that makes sense. Okay. Well, let's see. How far back should I go? Because <laughs> <laughs> You can give a brief about, you know. Yeah, I guess a little background. So... Relationship anxiety really showed up for me because before I met her, I also obviously had other like dating experiences, but every time it was kind of a, I'd say a failure. But the reason is because I was part of a church. So I'm from, originally I'm from Belgium and my first language is French, so you might hear it. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so when I was in Belgium, I was part of a church who was very controlling and pretty much uh, a cult and the pastor was like controlling everybody's decision and like dating was basically like forbidden 
unless you were supervised by the pastor and the elders and they were like uh agreeing with who you wanted to be with and and, and mm. things like that and so obviously that was like w- what was hard about that is that they were not like saying it that it was that out loud it was kind of like sneaky mm. and and then when i got out i understood but also it, most of the 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 girls i dated were uh black and the thing is that that pastor without ever t- saying telling anybody he actually didn't want black and whites to be together mm-hmm. uh which is interesting <laughs> yeah um, and so that was something also that actually like hurt my sister as well because she wanted to be with someone uh as well but that's another story and so in that church being taught that like you know if you were to date someone you had to be first of all like ready or like perfect really even though it was impossible to be because to be perfect you needed to be like uh fully uh doing what the pastor was teaching you mm-hmm. or telling you to do mm-hmm. and you needed to you need to be sure that like if you were dating someone you that, that person was going to be your for me my wife like i needed to be sure that if well, i were to date sure. someone i can't date someone just to try it has mm-hmm. like to, to be so anytime there would be they, like the elders or the pastor would see that two people would get a little too close meeting guys we've noticed this um i think you guys are not ready blah 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 mm-hmm. same speech every time and we're like oh yeah yeah okay that's fine um but whatever later on obviously that uh when i left that church i decided to leave that church because i understood like oh this is actually really bad for me I went to california to uh do like a ministry school over there that was completely different than my church and so I had to unlearn so many different things and a lot of those were about dating because I did when I went there I was like I do want to meet someone uh, when I go there because I feel like it's 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 a good place to meet someone um, but then I would hit all those like walls and obstacles because I, I, I I'd be having so many doubts and so much fear and so much anxiety and, and so much guilt to be honest a lot of guilt a lot of shame for having feelings for someone even though i wasn't necessarily sure that i wanted to be with them or marry them yeah just a lot of a lot of anxiety and so i had to unlearn a lot of things and then that obviously showed up when i met her uh, even though i feel like at that point i i had an enough like breakthrough and i learned enough about uh, uh what was going on inside of me and all the lies that i was believing about dating that were not from god but that were from what men thought God wanted. And when we were together, it really showed up um, hard, but we were obviously able to work through it because now we're married. Sure. Um, And I will say this too, in before we even get to the full part of that, I was experiencing my own stuff before we were dating too, of feeling like I wasn't enough and feeling like, Anytime I was dating somebody, it was so high stakes for me because I felt like this, a lot of insecurity I was feeling, I was putting a lot of it on the relationship of if you choose me, that means something about me and like I need you to continue choosing me or that means it reinforces this negative thought I already believe about myself. Mm-hmm. And so I had a lot of, we'll say just like, okay, getting, gaining more confidence and loving myself and knowing who I was. And then after I started dating, 
And when he was experiencing his relationship anxiety and just kind of, well, you can explain how that was showing up for you. But I think every time he was experiencing his fear, it triggered my own stuff. Like, oh my gosh, I'm not good enough. He doesn't like me. He's not going to choose me. And it was kind of this whole cycle that we were kind of doing back and forth for a really long time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say for me, it was mostly doubts and, and questions about like making decisions and just being very unsure about what I was doing and being unsure what I was feeling, uh, what I was wanting. And that, that was really, really hard because it was this con those constant thoughts uh, uh, that I had to fight. But that were like sometimes just so overwhelming and felt so real. That that's the problem with anxiety is that sometimes it just feels so real. It's like, yeah. it's like man, like I need to listen to it because it feels like, like it's, I have to do it. Like, it's like, the sense of urgency of like, man, like if I don't do anything about that, it's gonna, it's not gonna be great for me. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how I showed up uh, uh, for for uh, for me, and how that triggered her insecurities. Because obviously, I will say that at that point in my life, uh, I was like, okay, I I want to be as vulnerable as possible, and she was in my in, for me, she was becoming my best friend as we were dating. And so I was like, I want to be vulnerable about what I'm feeling too, about my anxiety and my thoughts, which I think is good. But I think that also it's something that actually we talked about in the, our last uh, podcast episode where like we were talking about how like maybe I was oversharing yeah. <laughs> and sharing thoughts that she didn't necessarily need to hear and that were not really like respectful of her and kind of like not regarding her her feelings at all she was being triggered and I understand it now because I, I, I got better but I understand how like yeah that's probably not the most appropriate things to share uh, uh not saying that you need to keep it to yourself that you're anxious about the relationship but you know if we've everybody here I think in this podcast has experienced relationship anxiety and we know that yeah. sometimes some of those thoughts can be not great to share it's uh, super they, extreme yeah so but I found mentors that helped me when I was in ministry school was great for me because I was surrounded by people who were helping me with those thoughts and those fears. And so mm -hmm. that was, you know, those people were probably more appropriate to share those really, uh, I must say, dark thoughts uh, with them. Sure. But yeah, she, you know, she did good. <laughs> we're mm -hmm. still married. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And we're happy. So that's totally. good. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, well, I really appreciate each of you sharing your experience and how it showed up differently for each of you. But both of it was, like you said, those anxious thoughts that sometimes feel extreme and feel urgent and feel like you have to do something about it. And I think people listening can probably relate to experiencing both types, like the doubt of, well, do I want to move forward? Am I making the right decision? Like you shared, Matthew, and maybe even getting messages either from a religious group or from school or from parents or from outside forces that feel like they're telling you, you should do this. And then it's hard to kind of tap into what you want to do and how to move forward. But then also joy in your experience. It's like, well, does this person want to be with me? And are they going to validate my worthiness, which we probably know isn't really their job to do, but in the moment we kind of look to the person to do that. So one of the reasons I did want to bring both of you on is because I saw Joy a few times you mentioning something in Reels that is a really common question among people in the work that I do, which is like, 
how do I know? And I'll just preface this by saying not everybody that listens to this may connect with the exact language we're using. Maybe not everyone is religious. Some people might identify more as spiritual or just opening up to these ideas. But the question of, is this God's will telling me that we shouldn't be together? Or is this the universe giving me a sign that I shouldn't be with my partner? Is this anxiety, my intuition trying to communicate with me? And I really loved your just thoughts and approach on this. So I'd love to hear how that has played into both of your journeys. And then some of the work that you had to do to kind of sift through what was anxiety versus what was actually a message from your inner wisdom or from God or from an outside source. Yeah. I will say this too. I think I've had experiences even before Matthew where I felt like God was telling me, I felt, and it wasn't even accurate, but I felt like God was telling me I was going to marry this person. And so I very much was like, okay, no matter what is happening in the situation, no matter if there were, unfortunately, probably more red flags. The thing is, this person was a good guy. I think that there was just certain things that if I would have let go of that thought, I would have been able to have that freedom in my mind to be able to choose to let go of the relationship rather than staying so tied to it because I felt like God was telling me to stay in this relationship. Um, and so I think a lot of people really look for that direction of God, God says everything. God tells me where to go. God tells me when to move. God tells me who to marry. God tells me when I should go to bed. You know what I mean? Like God, like it's very much like super, super Control. rigid, super controlling. Um, and I think even from my experience, I think this showed up in a different way with Matthew, but for me and my experience, I very much, I remember telling my parents, I told like four people, I'm like, God told me I'm going to marry this person. My parents were like, okay, like, okay, like if that's what you feel, whatever, I'm not going to say anything. And I remember just like praying every night and just really being, Lord, just like open up this door, close it if it's not, but I really feel like if you're saying this. And I remember, unfortunately, the, the relationship I was in, he just did not communicate very well. So like for like six months, the relationship was kind of like this like limbo of like, are we going to date? Are we not even going to date? Is this something that's going to happen? Is not going to happen? And then eventually I was going to invite him to this thing. And then he's like, well, I actually have another uh, person I'm talking to. And I think I'm going to date her. I'm like, okay, cool. And I just remember being like, God, I'm so confused because I felt like this was what you were saying. But that's if you weren't saying that, then why was I so attached to this thing? And so I think I had to really look inward to figure out, were you actually saying that? Or was this something I actually like, I made some connections that felt right at the moment and it felt like this is what you were saying and so I really held on to it because I really really wanted this too you know and I think as I was maneuvering that relationship looking back I'm like I actually didn't if God was telling me to do this I didn't feel like I had very much choice in this too it was just like I'm going to marry this person so therefore I'm going to make it work even if I'm not really fully happy even if I really don't feel like this is the connection really isn't fully there and I'm actually hurting my heart so much just because I'm holding on to this. And I, I, looking back, I really wish I would have, one, sought more mentorship, but then two, really got more understanding of like God's character of like, if you're choosing this for me, how am I supposed to feel about this? And what is the choice that I have in this situation? Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that like in that situation, I learned a lot of just like, okay, Lord, if you're, if you tell me this or not, I still want to be 
to make sure that I actually like this person. And actually, I just want to make sure that I actually feel connected and safe and emotionally intact in this in this situation before I put the sign off as we'll say that you're saying this or not. But I think the more that I've learned here, I'm kind of like, I don't know how much God, God can for sure. Like my, my parents, my dad says he felt like God told him that he was gonna marry my mom, but there was like a year and a half of just like really genuine friendship and connection. And then he's like, yeah, we really, really love each other. I'm going to choose it. He kind of forgot about it, to be honest, until they got married. He's like, oh, well, that worked out. Like, you know, like I felt it. And then I made that decision and it worked out really well. Um, and so I think for me, that was kind of what I had to make that connection before we got even together. I never once was like, oh, God, are you saying this is Matthew? Is my man or not? I had to be like, what am I, what do I actually want here? Is he a good person? Is he a good man? Do we, do we connect really well? Do our face align, do our values align? And how much does that really connect to me before anything else is in the deciding factor in that? Yeah. 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 Um, you know, for me, uh, I think it was a really long journey because I, 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 I was in that church in Belgium for like eight years, slowly being robbed of, of my free will <laughs> to the point where when I left, I, I, you know, I was, my belief was that God needed to make decisions for me for everything. Mm. And cause I couldn't, cause I was such a imperfect human and I needed to like, have him do all the, the decisions for me because I don't know what's good for me. Uh, and I think to that, you know, to a certain extent that might be true, you know, but that's not when I was in, in, in that ministry school and I had my, my own journey with God, I, I, I started understanding that first of all, that's just not how God sees us. We're not weak human beings. Uh, we're not like mm. these imperfect people who constantly need his help with, it is true, like we do need his help. But what I mean is that God doesn't see us as small. He, I started learning about the fact that he sees us as people who can make decisions and uh, who have the ability to, to have free will because that's what he created us with. He created us with free will. Like if you, if you, if you read, you know, in the Bible at the beginning, uh, that was one of the most important things that God gave us is free will. Um, and so when I was there, I... I remember that I, I was somewhere and I and I heard like a voice telling me I will never make a decision for you. And I was like, are you I, I was like, I think this is God. But I was like, are you like serious? Like you're telling me that you will never make a decision for me. I thought that this whole time I needed to like let you choose for me because I was so like unable to do so because I was so imperfect. Mm. And then from that moment, I I understood that God wanted me to take responsibility for my choices. Um, but he also wanted me to learn uh, about him being with me in the decision I make. Yeah. Uh, more than him being like, if you make this decision, I will be with you. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that he is with us and, and, and that he's never going to leave us. And there's no like condition except believing in him, I'd say. So I was like, okay, so then you mean that I can trust my decisions? I can trust myself to make decisions. I have like enough wisdom to do so. Like I have the, the, a sound mind uh, to be able to, to choose something good for me. And I think another thing that he removed too is this need for perfection. So like you need to make the perfect decision. 
And I think that can apply to a lot of people. You know, a lot of people who are who are overthinking their relationships. It's like they don't trust their their, their themselves with their decisions, and they think that they need to make it perfect because if if it's not a perfect decision, then their their marriage or their relationship is just gonna end up in the wrong place, I guess, or like it's it's gonna it's not gonna work, or they're gonna be miserable, they're not gonna be happy. Yeah. But the truth is that no matter the decisions you make there's always a degree of risk and you have to accept that. And you have to believe no matter what you believe, if you believe in God or not, if you don't believe that your life will work out and that the decisions you make will work out and the person you choose to be with, it will work out. Then you you won't manifest that in your life and you, you won't be happy because you think because you think that, because you think you will not be happy, therefore you will. Your brain will find all the signs that confirm that that reality that you're not happy, and this this was wrong choice. This was a wrong decision. Yeah, yeah. And just really quick to add on that, I think that it's so. Sometimes when we believe in the, let's say, like God is telling us this, it brings some kind of like. It feels like a guarantee. And it's like, great, when God says this, then it's a guarantee and it releases any responsibility that I have, in a sense, to make that choice. Because if it's wrong, then it's on God and it's on me. And then if it's right, then, okay, great. But it's kind of like, no matter who you choose, it's your job to continue to be intentional and carry that accountability and responsibility you have in marriage, right? Like, no matter what happens, we don't know what it's going to look like in five years, in 10 years, in a year, right? But what we can know is the choice that we're making, if we know the person that we're going to, that we're choosing and know enough, right. Of like, how much does it align with who I am? And does this make me feel, whenever we're together, does it make it feel like I'm like a better person or whatever? Those things that you do know, once you're in it, you can't predict anything. You can't predict what's going to happen when you move to a state. You don't know. You can't predict what's going to happen when you, once you're a parent, like you don't know, but all you do know is what I made right now. I just have to trust that it's a good choice yeah. and that this is a good person. And what I'm making is going to be good rather than putting it kind of on God. Be like, okay, if you, if you're making this choice and I can trust that I'm making a good decision when it's like, you're trustworthy enough. Yeah. And sometimes we lose that aspect of I'm not trustworthy. So therefore I can't make the decision. So I need somebody to make it for me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So much good stuff in all of that. I took a few notes of like things that we could go into a little bit more, but I think the word that stuck out to me a lot was responsibility and this notion of free will and knowing like, if you unintentionally of course I think people are doing this unintentionally but it's like all right well someone up there or someone like there's a sign in the universe like something out there is basically making my decision for me then it removes that sense of responsibility that you both mentioned of choosing something and then continuing to put intentionality into it and I think that whole notion of the perfect choice that you said Matthew was like so wise that the overthinker wants it to be perfect and know that we'll have guarantees and that everything is going to turn out okay. But I think that Joy, you said so well, like just make a good enough choice and then continue to show up and build on that. And that really resonates with me. And I'm glad that you brought that in um, to this. And I think instead of feeling like someone else is deciding for you, having that more like collaborative relationship with a higher power with the universe, with God, with your inner wisdom, with your intuition, and just kind of trusting that it's not just right, wrong, good, bad, but like you can take in information and then still decide like, does this 
resonate with me? Or maybe do I need to pause and get some more insight before I rush into making a choice either direction? Right. Yeah. 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 I think there, you know, the notion of free will when it comes to love is so important because Mm -hmm. love, and, and I think everybody agrees here, but love is a choice. But if there's only one perfect match for you, then there's no choice. Yep. And if if yep. that means that, that that person is forced on you, that option is forced on you. And if you can't, if you're not free to choose, you can't say that you you really love. Yeah. Like if if you I only have one option, so I don't have a choice. I have to I have to be with them. Um, but if you don't have because choosing is like you're choosing the person at the moment where like you commit to them, but then once you're committed, you have to be intentional in choosing them every single day. Right. And that's what love is. But if like this is the only person you have, it's like, oh, I have to do this rather than like I want to do this. And and then because you know, if if we're in Christian circles before saying like, oh, like God told me you're going to be my wife or God told me you're going to be my husband. Okay. But do you love me? Do you actually love me or you just want to marry me? Cause God told you that you're supposed to be with me. Yeah. Do you mm-hmm. actually want to choose me? Like, is that actually meaningful to you or you're just doing it because you feel like you have to, because you, you don't have any other option. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I think that there it's glamorized to say that like, Oh, God told me that you're the one for me. That's yeah, glamorized, it's, but it's it's not what the, the people have this idea that like they're gonna find that one match, that perfect match, and then once they find it, everything's everything gonna click. <laughs> yeah. Everything's gonna click, and it's gonna be so easy, and that's yeah. it. Your life is gonna be amazing. And also, people are looking for ministry partners. They're not looking for wives or husbands. Mm-hmm. They're looking for someone who can help them fulfill their calling rather than someone that they can love for who they are. Um, uh, they're more interested in what do you bring to my calling? What do you bring to my destiny? Yeah. Rather than like love, meaning that you give yourself to the other person. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, what can you do for me? And how can you help me with what I'm doing and what I'm building for my life? But that's not what love is. Love is like, oh, I'm actually giving up my uh, uh, my own dreams. Not that like they will never show up again, uh, but I'm giving up my own uh, interests to love you and yeah. to be with you. Because uh, I think a lot of people are concerned about that too. Is like, oh, I have this idea of what I want to do in life, and then I'm scared I'm gonna end up with someone, and those things won't happen. I will say for us, that wasn't really like a concern, even though we did have ideas of what we wanted to do in life. But then once we got married, things started making much more sense than when we when we were single. Mm-hmm. So I'd say you know it's it's a step of faith. in mid-episode to make sure you've heard the news that I'm hosting a webinar on November 30th that will teach you exactly how to move forward after a relationship anxiety spike. So often people in the You Love and You Learn community and my clients will say, what do I actually do when a moment of relationship anxiety pops up? How do I handle it? And it can be so frustrating if it feels like so many of the precious hours in your day are being spent anxious about your relationship. I remember this all too well because it used to feel like I was on relationship anxiety autopilot, constantly worrying about and analyzing my relationship. 
This webinar is going to cover which beliefs about relationships, anxiety, and relationship anxiety are keeping you stuck, how to change these beliefs so they don't hold you back anymore, the mindset shifts I had to make in order to be able to move forward after moments of relationship anxiety, practical tools to use during and after experiencing relationship anxiety so you can move forward in less time and with less guilt, and a Q&A for 30 minutes, and this is all for $27. Y'all, this really should be an entire course, but I am bringing this to you in a 90-minute webinar so that you can have these tools and this information right from the jump. And I'm so excited to share that if you sign up before November 30th, the day of the webinar, you will be automatically entered into a raffle to win either Deconstruct the Doubts digital course, three winners will get that, or one private coaching session with me. And this is for one lucky winner. So I am really, really, really freaking excited for this. And don't worry if you can't join us live, you will get the recording emailed to you within 24 hours. If you are ready to spend less time spiraling and more time enjoying your relationship and life, join me for the moving forward after a relationship anxiety spike webinar. Thanks. And let's get back to the episode. And I want to say that it's because I know even in my, like in circles that I'm in, a lot of people, they might have this really, really beautiful story. And like, obviously they, they, even that they chose each other, but then there was this like beautiful sign where there was a rainbow, whatever, like this beautiful thing where we were in this moment. And it's like, then this is when I knew that I was going to marry this person. And I think at times, if you think of that as normal and that's every, that, that's like the standard, yeah. you start to compare yourself to figure out like, oh my gosh, this is what it's supposed to happen. If I don't have that, that means this isn't the right person. And you start to overthink it and be like, why, why hasn't God given me a sign? Or why hasn't there been to something that's been made that connection that made it obvious that I was supposed to choose this person. And like, just want to make this clear. So there might be, I want to, I want to make up a percentage, but I feel like there's like, maybe like two to 5% of people might get that like story of like, and then we were on this walk on this bridge and then the rain fell and I saw in the clouds, this is him. Like, wow. Amen. Like love mm-hmm. that. For you. Like really? But that is not the standard. And if we think that that is the standard, we like, this is why anxiety shows up because we believe, a th- we believe something that's, that's a lie that we think is truth of God is going to tell us who I'm going to marry. And if he doesn't, then it's not the right person. So therefore you're looking for those signs. And then you might have this incredible person right in front of you, but you're like, sorry, like I, God's not told me anything. So therefore I can't choose you. So therefore mm-hmm. I got to find something that God's going to tell me is right. Because if he tells me it's right, then therefore I'm going to have this perfect marriage. And if I can't have a perfect marriage with you, with you because God hasn't told me that we're going to get married, you know? And exactly. so you start to really, we can see how overthinking happens so quickly. And we compare stories from Instagram. We compare stories from friend groups. We compare stories from all these things. When in reality, we can look in scripture. We never once saw God say, this is how, this is what it says. And this is how God tells you who you're going to marry. Like it really was very simple back then. It's like, oh, you're this person's in my family and they come from a good bloodline, pick them. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's super, yeah. super, super simple. It was like first look. It's like, oh, look at her. She's beautiful. Like hey, great. Yeah. yeah. It was nothing, <laughs> nothing at all. Like we have a handful of stories made that happen, but it was it was for reasons, maybe when God said it. But we most of the scripture and most people in the Bible it never was once like God said you were gonna marry this person and this is why, and blah, blah, blah. you know what yeah. I mean. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think what's interesting is, you know, obviously 
there has been evolution since probably the initial time of that, where people are maybe are craving more of like a love-based relationship versus kind of like, oh, this works because it works. But I think that aside, you said something earlier, Matthew, that I think like resonates with this, which is like the type of mindset we have in our relationship will affect what we're looking to confirm or not. So that whole notion you said earlier of like, are you looking to confirm that things will work out, that you could be happy together, that this relationship could work? Or are you looking to confirm that it can't work and that you're going to be unhappy? That has a big effect on how you show up. And I think what I've experienced and what's hard sometimes for the anxious mind is when you feel stuck in your anxiety, it's hard to remember that you can change your perspective. And so you feel like, oh my gosh, well, am I going to manifest something negative in my relationship? Am I going to create this self-fulfilling prophecy because of my anxiety? So how would you say that each of you have shifted that pattern of looking for the good, looking for what's working because I know both of you come from experiencing anxiety, but it sounds like you've gotten better at reinforcing what's positive or what is good. Hmm. It's a journey. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It's a long, it's a long journey for, for sure. I mean, I, I would say for myself and I mean, for you too, I know that even like to this day, not in the like area of relationships, but for other areas in our lives, like we've been, working actively to like shift our minds to looking for hope and 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 yeah. faith which is you know if we're, if we're taking the, the the definition of the bible it's like faith is the, the assurance of things hoped for and the demonstration of things of unseen which is you know honestly that is the those that verse is a, is a definition of, of like manifestation what people call manifestation is like you have the assurance of things that you're hoping for and you have the demonstration. So you're like, yeah. you're living out the things that you have not seen yet until they, they manifest, you know? So, you know, when people say, oh, manifestation is not biblical. Well, it is, it is kind of biblical. <laughs> so for, for me, like personally, I would say that when I connect with what I want in my life, I, I try my, my best to uh, uh, align my thoughts with with that rather than looking for what's wrong or how can it go wrong or how can it not happen i think that everybody has the the ability to do that um, but i think people are scared to do it because people are scared to people are scared to think that they're worthy of of good they're worthy of experiencing something good and have hope and have hope because mm -hmm. it's scary because of so many things happening in this world and we hear so many negative things so many oh look, the, the divorce rate is so high uh, uh and that's like in the, the area of relationships and then we hear people cheating on each other and all that right. right there's just so many negative things and so people don't allow themselves to hope for good things and they're looking for signs like we said to confirm that those bad things might happen for them as well uh, rather than looking for something that's good and there's a quote that i like and it's um if it's if it sounds too good to be true maybe you should lean in and it's it's like oh people are scared to believe in something that's too good to be true but i think that yeah. if you want to experience the things that you want you need to lean into that a little bit more believe it will happen yeah yeah 
Yeah. I, I know that from experiences, all we know from our experience, if it's been negative, that it's, that's what it is. Like, I don't, relationships don't work for me. Yeah. We always break up. I always get heartbroken. That feels normal. And so since that feels normal, there comes, becomes a part of you eventually that's kind of like, I know how to connect to that. Like, even if I don't want to, I know what to do in the situation. Mm-hmm. I might cry for a bit. I know how to maybe guard myself. I know how to do the things, but I know how to handle the situation. I don't know how to respond when I trust in something that could be good. Mm-hmm. And what, I don't know. I don't know the outcome of that. And that's feels scary. That's un- out of my control. So I'm not even going to really hope for that because I'm going to have even more disappointment is what people think. If I if I have hope and then something bad happens compared to if I have hope, if I believe something bad is going to happen, I know what to do here. And yeah. that's fine here. And I know for me, that was my experience. Like I've only had <laughs> relationships that didn't end well, like in my experience before I met Matthew, like that was always my experience. And so I had to come to the place where, okay, if the door is closing, then I have to just trust that the door closed for a reason. And it just wasn't like, that just wasn't going to work. And that's fine. But that doesn't mean anything about me. And I had to constantly tell myself that I was worthy of something good happening. I was worthy of being married for one and actually having somebody choose me. Like I, I had to believe that constantly in the midst of our own experience when we were when we were experiencing anxiety and felt distance and we were long distance. It was the whole thing. Um, but I had to believe in myself. Like, you know what? No matter what happens, I am still incredible and I am so worthy of somebody to choose me and, and to continue um, loving me no matter what happens at the end of the day. And I'm going to still try to stay present here, even if it feels very scary. And I want everything in me wants to just like back away and just like, I'm done. Like, I don't even want to do this anymore. This is easier. This feels so unsafe at times. But I think like, I also know that I think what helped me here was to know that like, dang, you're such a good man. And when you're not feeling this spiral, you're just like, you're so consistent and, and like kind and loving. And so I just have to trust that this is like one going to work, but knowing that no matter what you're experiencing here is nothing to do with me. Cause I know I'm incredible. And I know I'm a catch. I know that like, if, if you end up feeling your own stuff, it's nothing to do with me. It's nothing to do with what you're experiencing and feeling. And so it was a constant re reaffirming of my own self of who I am and believing who I am, no matter what, sometimes like the things would show up here or if someone broke up with me, like, okay, like that sucks, but I'm so incredible and I'm so good. And I'm still believing that I'm going to like, someone is going to choose me someday type of thing. Yeah. So it was a constant, like, I mean, it is a battle you know? battle it's for sure fight with, with those thoughts. It's like, cause for me, like I would say what helped me the most when I was experiencing relationship anxiety is I just had to make a, a like a decision uh, and and within myself and the promise to myself of like, okay, what are the voices in my life I, I want to listen to? And I want, what are the voices that, like what voices are going to influence me Yeah. Um, and influence my decisions? Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, this is what I want. I want love to lead me. I want confidence to lead me. I want, you know, those, I want hope to lead me. I want faith to lead me i don't want doubt to lead me i don't want fear mm-hmm. to lead me and that's anxiety you know it's like yeah. anxiety is just a fancy word for fear really and so anytime i would like experience thoughts that would create anxiety uh and fear and doubts and and just and that helps i think with the question you asked earlier of like you know making difference between intuition and anxiety it's like anytime there's like a voice or thought that comes up and it puts you in a anxious 
spiral and, and you know you can feel it um and it's like tormenting and it's it's torturing and it's like it was that pressure and that sense of urgency and, and all those those things whenever i felt that i was like this is fear speaking this is anxiety speaking this is uh, uh all those doubts speaking mm-hmm. all those what ifs and all that and those are voices i refuse to listen to and to this day that's still the case and that's what's been yeah. also like leading me in uh everything that i i'm doing uh when they show up i'm like i can feel them it can be hard it can be intense but i will never let them uh guide me mm-hmm. or never I will never let them tell me what to do or what to choose mm-hmm. yeah yeah I love that. That's so powerful. There's this analogy that someone in my group coaching program brought forward. And it was like, there's a difference between gray sky days and blue sky days. It's like, sometimes the gray days are like that anxiety, the storms, like it's cloudy, it's murky. Whereas we all have experienced blue sky days where it's like, you feel clear, you feel confident, you feel led by love. Um, And I think it's so helpful to separate those things and clearly see like, yes, there may be two different kind of sides, but that doesn't mean I have to choose the anxiety, the gray days over the blue sky days. And I think some people feel like their anxiety is their truth. I'm putting that in air quotes, but people assume that the anxiety is the truth versus the love and the clear headedness. And I argue it's the opposite the love, the confidence, like the hope, the faith, those feel like the things like you said that I want to listen to. And so I think it's an intentional decision. Like you said, am I going to make decisions and be led from a place of fear? No, that doesn't feel good to me. So you have to make that intentional choice. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good note. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for uh, sharing both of those pieces. And I think too, also just from my experience, you know, when you're in anxiety, it can feel like, oh, well, I need to find this whole better partner to have faith or have hope that things can really be good. Cause Joy, you said something really powerful. Like you have to believe you're worthy of the good things and actually lean into them. And I think sometimes we think if there's challenges in our current relationship that, oh, well, if I'm worthy of good things, then I just need to go find a a good partner that's going to be much better and easier and have all the good things I want versus leaning in and trusting that as long as, of course, you're in like a relationship where you share the values and you're being treated with respect, can you also trust that you can create that good in your relationship and build because both of you came from having anxiety and then now you've come together and grown and really leaned into the good in your relationship so I just think there's this myth that like if everything isn't perfectly good now then it means you have to go find that good relationship or good person but sometimes it can be you collaborate and create that as a unit totally I think we have to remember too that we're two imperfect people coming together yeah. who have our own experiences, have our own backgrounds, who have our own triggers. And sometimes when you're, when you're single, those things lay very dormant until you're in a relationship and you're like, oh my gosh, suddenly all this stuff is happening and fully filling all this up at the same time. And so exactly what you said of, of as long as of course there is um, like, there's not abuse going on. Like it's a healthy relationship. Like the values align. Understanding that like conflict or, Things aren't always going to be so peachy just because it's, whether it's a good relationship or just because it's a good, really, um, what am I trying to say? You got this. Thank you. I got this. <laughs> just because 
um, there is challenges and things aren't so peachy doesn't mean it's a bad relationship. And that's something that shows up our group coaching program a lot of, yeah. oh my gosh, like I didn't realize that conflict was still fine. Cause I think when we fight, I'm like, okay, well, I'm out the door. Cause yeah. that means something is wrong. And I don't want to stay in this. If it feels like, I don't know, it freaks me out. I've seen that my parents fight and I, when I see fighting, that means a bad thing. And I don't want to do that anymore. And it needs to be perfect. And we need to be able to handle conflict so perfectly. And I think a good question to ask yourself is, how are you supposed to know how to have really good conflict if you've never actually experienced that before? Like you're kind of relearning how to do things well in a new relationship. Like we're relearning things that we learned from our past and how to move forward in a way that's healthy as a new person. And so give yourself grace. It doesn't need to be perfect. It's not going to be perfect, actually. And I think the more that we understand that it's kind of like it's it's normal for there to be some like figuring things out in a relationship before it feels there is more smoothness, but we have to figure some things out here before that happens. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's part of it. It's part of the game. So if you're not willing to accept that there's going to be conflict and, 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 you know, sometimes you, you might feel hurt, you know, and sometimes you might hurt the other person. Uh, uh, if you're not ready to accept that, if you're not ready to like uh, work for your connection, if you're not, if you're not ready to put in the effort uh, uh, to make your relationship work, then you're not ready for a relationship. Your your fantasy is is a fantasy. It's not going to happen. You're not going to have that type of relationship where people never fight, people never have disagreements. Uh, um, no, I think that if you see a relationship like that, then it's probably a relationship where people just know how to communicate mm-hmm. and how to navigate mm-hmm. conflict and, and disagreements rather than people who, like, we have a... a friends who've been together for eight nine years and they seem to get along so well but they also told us like at the beginning it wasn't like that you know we had to learn how to communicate we had to learn uh, how to navigate conflict and now we're we're doing a lot better than than we used to but it took it took some time so if you're both like willing to prioritize like your connection uh, even when you feel like there's conflict if if like that's something that both of you can agree on it's like our connection always comes first and we're already we're always going to fight for our connection um then i think that you can make it work and make it good mm. like yeah. like we used to. for sure absolutely i love that well it's been so great hearing from each of you and i've learned a lot i didn't grow up with religion in my life and now i'm more open to kind of the ideas of spirituality and just being in relationship with the universe or something bigger than ourselves. But I love just hearing new perspectives about it. And because this is such a common question, I get it's so awesome to hear from each of you. And there is a final question that I ask all my guests during interview episodes. So I'd love to hear each of your answers. But because this is the You Love and You Learn podcast, I'd love to hear one thing that you've learned about love that you want to leave listeners with. Love that question so much. <laughs> I will say that. I mean, it's kind of what I said. Is is as long as like you prioritize your connection and you fight for your connection and for for your love and for your your intimacy, it will keep growing mm-hmm. and it will get more and more beautiful. Um, it's not to me the honeymoon phase is for people who settle and not for people who choose to put the effort in i don't i don't i don't really believe in the honeymoon phase i think that for for, i can speak for us our love to me my love for her just 
keeps growing. Yeah. It just keeps growing. It's not going down because I don't believe that love is a feeling. Um, I think it's much deeper than that. It's building history with someone. It's knowing someone. Yeah. Um, and so the more I do life with her, the more I build this history, the more I, I prioritize our intimacy like in those ways, or whether it's like going on dates, going traveling, discovering new places, all that, the more I love her. Mm. Really quick before Joy, before you share your answer, when you say people who want the honeymoon or stayed in the honeymoon phase settled, what did you mean by that? Because I think it's a really interesting point, but I'd love to make sure I understood what you meant. So I think, and I can speak for my, for me as well, because my parents are divorced and they were in love for a long time, but slowly like their, their, their love started fading away and, and they stopped, they kind of became passive about communication and things like that. And that's kind of what led to their, their divorce because then other things happened because of that, because uh, uncommunicated expectations. And I think to me, People who, who believe in the honey phase, well, the honeymoon phase, um, it's people who think that like their feelings will carry them through their relationships. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and so it's like, no, because we have a lot of people who ask us that. And every time, obviously, uh, we say the same thing every time. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's like people are worried about how they feel about their partner and like they're not sure and stuff. And, and I always go, I tell them like, hey, I understand that. But if you if you uh, are in your relationship and you want to move forward because of your feelings, then your relationship is not going to last. You can't rely on what you feel to tell you what to do, because if you do that, no matter what you do in life, that's not that's never a good uh, a good way to live your life. Yeah. <laughs> like if if you don't learn about commitment and discipline, especially in a relationship, then you you're never going to make it. So that's what I mean by the honeymoon phase. Is like people think that feelings are enough. And that whenever like they're they're getting married, that's like that the the top like the height of their feelings, and then they just hope for the best that their feelings will stay there and yeah. they will not fade away too quickly. But that's just not how it works. And if you have this vision of marriage, then I don't think it's worth it's not it's not worth it. Marriage is not worth it. Then <laughs> for me, yeah. it's you keep growing, you keep building, and that's how your love is sustained. For yeah. sure. So powerful. Yeah. I, just, I think that's such a good point of like, basically, if you're assuming the honeymoon phase will carry you for decades, then it's like, there's just a little gap there. And I think the feelings I have are very up and down. And I was, we've discussed your mood and how you're looking at the world can change based on anxiety versus clear headedness. So if you're only making decisions based on the up and downs, you're going to have a lot of up and downs versus stable commitment. Yeah. So thanks for elaborating on that. Joy, I'd love to hear your answer. Yeah, um, there's there's definitely similarities, but I think I'll say um, something I've learned about love, especially with my parents. Um, so my parents are married for 40 plus years now. And just being able to know that long-term love, how, how love looks in each season is going to change, especially as in the beginning in your 20s or whatever your 30s will say and then as parents and as you you look as, as you have grandkids and as you keep going it looks different and if you're not consistently having check-ins of like where am i at and like what where are we moving forward in the same way if it's not like how do we readjust over time because whenever i hear that like we we ended up got divorced because like our love just like faded and the love just like went away and i'm like it, well it didn't i just think that both of you 
outgrew where you were and you thought it was supposed to look that way forever. And it's not the mm-hmm. case. If we're doing business together, we've constantly had to do constant like check-ins and making sure like, Hey, like, are we good? Like, what's this looking like? I feel like we're talking out of our business and not doing a lot of like connection. Okay. That's really good to know. Like, how do we make sure we're still on the same page as our seasons look different? Um, so each season, your love is going to look different and your relationship's going to look different. And if you're not intentional about those transitions, it's going to be very easy for somebody to still be in the season and you're over here and we just, we, it takes a lot of communication and intentionality. So that is what I would say. I so think. I think what you're, what you're saying too, is like you're move, you, you need to make sure that you're moving as a unit. Yeah. Yes. A hundred percent. Good way of putting it. You're not yeah. moving like separately from moving each separately other. Separately. And then seeing, making sure we're on the same page. 10 years later, and it's like, well, of course we've driven apart. We haven't even checked in about how we how we are and where we're at in like a year, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. They gotta become best friends. Mm-hmm. You have to be best friends with, with your spouse because with best friends, you talk every day, right? Yeah. Yeah. Best That's friends, true. you gotta do things together like best friends, talk about best friends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally. And I think for everyone that can look slightly different, but trusting their own version of that. And I love what you said, Joy, about like, yeah, we're all going to probably change and evolve, but it doesn't mean you can't accept that new version of each other. You just need to, you know, redefine what the expectations are because it's not going to stay the same for decades and being open to that change, not scared of it is so powerful. So thank you both for coming on. I really loved getting to hear more of your story and even though we all identify as having experienced relationship anxiety or have moments of it, I feel like we each have a unique view. So it's always great to get to chat with others in this space. Definitely. Thanks for having us on. This was so fun. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) My first time was good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You guys did great with each other. Thanks so much and see you all in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to the love and you learn podcast. If you've been enjoying the podcast, it would mean the absolute world to me if you could rate and review the podcast because the more ratings and reviews there are, the more people that can hear this message and it's really important to me to get this message out to the world and to create a space where people can learn about love and relationships in a way that is not judgmental, in a way that helps them expand their perspective from the cultural narratives that we've heard and seen in the movies and in Hollywood and the media and the more ratings and reviews that are there the more people that can hear this message. So thank you again so much. It really means the world to me that you are listening and see you in the next episode.